Good morning, everyone. This is Jeffy Kennedy. I'm here with my first cup of coffee. Mm. Today is Monday, September 30th. Beautiful morning here in Santa Fe. Very still and quite warm, actually. It's the calm before the storm. We are supposed to get significant rain in the next couple of days. I haven't figured out if it's like a remnant of a hurricane from the Gulf or um, this winter storm coming down from the north that uh, you know, hit Montana so hard in Washington. I guess uh, Spokane, Washington got an inch and a half of snow, which was interesting since we were there this summer. That's where we flew in to go to Lake Coeur d'Alene. Um, so just always interesting to have the context for that. I guess the first time they've had snow since like 1926. I think that's what I saw. I'm a terrible headline skimmer. I know I'm like the worst example of the internet era. Only a few Choya clusters to date. So yeah, it's, um, Lovely right now, as it often is before the storm makes it in. But we're supposed to get some pretty good gusts of wind this afternoon. And we have rain warnings. Um, flash floods, always a thing here. People forget that our arroyos exist for a very good reason. And were carved by the water itself. And they do not always remain dry. So, you know, we've got the places where the roads dip down and cross the arroyos and say, turn around, don't drown, which we always laugh at because they are so dry. But boy, when they are not dry, you really do have to watch it. So, well, to say it would be nice to have a good rousing storm. Easy for me to say because we're high up on a hill. <laughs> So I got, this is indeed my second cup of coffee. I did get about 800 words this morning, um, meaning that between my blog post yesterday and working on the book today, I'm going to have more words than I had all of last week. I'm trying not to view last week as a lost week. I, I know that I am trying to consciously accept that I can get word work done without word counts, but uh, maybe I need to find a way to put that on my chart so I'll feel better about it. Anyway, I started the book in a different place this morning. That makes the third beginning that I've tried, but I think that this is better, and I think I found the key into telling this story. It's been good going back and reading those books, um, picking up a lot of threads that I had indeed forgotten about. So definitely needed to do that. And I've also, I think, awakened some of the, the story thread in my mind again, because I've remembered all sorts of things that I'm going to have to pull together. And part of why I spent a lot of time thinking about who the protagonist of this book would be 
because there are a lot of different pieces that are coming together. So in many ways, with this book, I'm going to be doing something, um, oh, sorry about that, something unlike, um, I don't know, I've never really done a book quite like this before. It sounds kind of vainglorious to say something that I have never before attempted, but in some ways, every book is like that. You know, each book presents its own challenges and is its own story and follows its own pattern. But this one, yeah, I'd actually considered very early on, I think I mentioned this at some point, but I'd actually considered doing it multiple POVs. Every book and novella in this series has been, this is um, 12 Kingdoms and Uncharted Realms, if I didn't make that clear, uh, has been first-person point of view, single first-person point of view for the entire book. And I considered breaking that up for this last book so that I could get in different POVs. But that just felt wrong to me. I know a lot of you commented and said it shouldn't be a big deal that I could do that if I wanted to. And of course, it's my book. I could do whatever I want. But I do feel like there's a certain... Oh, I, w I almost want to say like a mathematical symmetry, a certain magic to observing form. And I feel like, yeah, it had to be in a single first-person point of view to be like the other books in this series. Um, so, but that presents challenges, right? When your protagonist is in first-person point of view, which is a challenging form anyway, because you can only know what's in their head. And I have a lot of people moving around in different places. But I've had kind of a revelation. I figured out a way around that this weekend. And so I started the book with that. I know that doesn't make sense, but it sort of a, a way of getting into that. And so I think it's working. Uh, it might be a little much backstory, but I'll go back and figure that out later. Revise it with a cool eye and see. But I've realized, I you know, there is a lot of backstory, of course, to layer in at this point. I thought it was funny somebody commented to me the other day on kind of an older blog post, but she asked on, um, it was a post about the shift of the tide, and she asked when I would be writing the third book in this trilogy. And I think it's funny that she referred to it as a trilogy. I think that she must be thinking of it as the shift of the tide, the arrows of the heart, and the fate of the Tala as being the trilogy, which I guess is one way to slice it. There was the initial trilogy, The Twelve Kingdoms, and then I did The Pages of the Mind and The Edge of the Blade as the Uncharted Realms with Kensington, um, which they bailed on very quickly. You know, my editor left, and I don't know, I think they decided to pivot on that. They did one of those things where they really just totally bailed on the um, promotion of the edge of the blade you know they gave me a terrible release date and they did nothing for it and yeah so it goes 
so I could see, so when I decided to continue it, and I wrote The Shift of the Tide, that was one of the things that people were commented on was that there was an expectation, which I didn't realize, um, that a lot of people thought The Shift of the Tide would finish that trilogy, that trilogy being the pages of The Mind, the Edge of the Blade, and The Shift of the Tide. Whereas I was like, oh, I didn't think I said that. Of course, I've said before that I thought something, um, I didn't remember that I said something was a trilogy when I guess I had at one point, uh, Sorcerer's Moon's Cough. <coughs> uh, yeah, I need to get better about that. But anyway, it is interesting to frame it that way, to think of the initial Twelve Kingdoms trilogy as one set, and then those two books in the middle, Pages of the Mind and Edge of the Blade, in some ways are like a little duology together. And then these three would be a trilogy. So, But I call all five of those books Uncharted Realms. I didn't want to change it off of Twelve Kingdoms in the first place, and Kensington insisted because they wanted to rebrand. And I don't know. I don't know if that... Well, water under the bridge, right? So, so anyway, I think, I think I'm getting into this. I just sort of need to, um, you know, immerse into channeling the story and trust that it'll happen. And I think I have the, the keys now to open those doorways. I had a, a quiet weekend, which was nice. Um, it was not pretty weather on Saturday. We had a very cold wind blowing. It was sunny enough, but very cold wind. But I got the laundry done and cleaned the house and did a bunch of chores like that. And then did a lot of reading, reading and making notes. Uh, yesterday, I was able to sit outside more. It was a really pretty autumn afternoon. And I did get out my big sketch pad and I started drawing the grape leaves. I was going to take a picture. Well, actually, I did take a picture of the sketch I made. I was going to put it on here for you guys, but um, it doesn't show up very well. I don't know if I can find a way to take a better picture. It's still very light, and I'm just going to keep adding to it. But it was nice to sit and draw, and it made for a good break. It turns out that reading with my mind canted towards writing this book and taking notes on that uh, was not the same as reading for relaxation. Um, so it goes, because I did find myself getting pretty tired. But I didn't want to read anything else because I really need to just sort of mainline this particular story. I... Uh, I do have a book burning a hole in my Kindle, as I have uh, Grace Draven's Dragon Unleashed. She sent me the arc of that uh, so that I can blurb it for her. So I'm very much looking forward to reading that. But I have to get this story flowing first. I'm close. I'll, I'll be able to put all this down in a day or two. It'll have a, a channel of its own. I also started um, re-watching Good Omens. I don't spend a lot of time watching shows unless it's evening time with David. But I did want to re-watch Good Omens. 
because um, I thought I would pick up a lot more stuff the second time. You know, I checked that book out from the library when I was probably 10 and read it then. <laughs> and it was fun to watch it. David didn't love the show so much, but a lot of it's that kind of um, subtle British humor that he doesn't always catch and he finds it kind of absurd and boring at the same time. So he was doing a lot of driving this weekend, and like I said, it wasn't nice to be outside, and I could feel my brain getting tired reading and thinking, so I started re-watching Good Omens, and that's just really such a well-done show. I'm so glad that they finally got an opportunity to come back and do that right. And then last night we watched Forever, which, Mom, I know you really loved. We had been watching Rain, and we got through, I don't know, six episodes of Rain. We were finally catching up with that. Hadn't ever watched it. And I did a blog post about that yesterday, so I don't think I'll reiterate all of my thoughts on historical accuracy, but David was wearing out on that. It's a little... Um, we don't always like the sort of the teen angst shows. And it's interesting how Rain is framed that way. I can see why it's very popular. But I don't know if um, he got tired of it. I don't know if I'll come back to it without him. Like I said, I very rarely watch without him. And so I kind of pick and choose the stuff that I'm going to watch without him. Because otherwise I'm reading. But we did watch yesterday, which finally had come down from the buy for nineteen ninety nine to rent for five ninety nine. Because we can't go to the movie theater, I will um, occasionally spring for that, right? So I thought, okay, well, let's Sunday evening, and we were both kind of tired out. He'd been doing a lot of driving yesterday. It was the Wine and Chili Festival here in Santa Fe. He did a couple of Albuquerque runs. So, so that was nice. We sat and watched yesterday. I keep wanting to call it forever. I hope I didn't say that before yesterday. Apparently, um, Paul McCartney suggested when they got permission to do the movie, he suggested calling it Scrambled Eggs, you know, which was famously his placeholder when he came up with the melody for the song before he had figured out the lyrics. So it was Scrambled Eggs. Da-da-da-da-da-da, Scrambled Eggs. <laughs> um, so I'm going to talk a little bit about yesterday which I enjoyed but didn't love as much as I wanted to. So if you don't want any spoilers on yesterday, now is a good time to log off, and I'll try not to say anything else interesting. Um, but for those of you who have seen it or don't care so much about spoilers, and in some ways I feel like this is not a spoilery thing because so much of the premise is right up front. Um, but some of my thoughts may be spoilery. So, talk to you all tomorrow, those of you who are bailing now. For those who have seen it and don't care about spoilers, um, so the premise is, is that our hero, Malik, um, is an aspiring songwriter and singer who's been at it for something like 10 years, and or longer, if you count the time when he was like a kid. And he... There is a worldwide blackout for 12 seconds, 
and he, in that time, is hit by a bus and wakes up in the hospital, and certain things in the world have changed. Certain things are gone, um, among them the Beatles. And other things are missing too, like uh, the band Oasis, um, cigarettes, Coca-Cola, there's only Pepsi. Apparently, they also wanted to make the color purple be gone, but they decided that would be too difficult to uh, make sure that there was absolutely no purple in the movie whatsoever. <laughs> they wanted, I guess they mainly wanted it for the joke that the uh, band Deep Purple was actually Deep Orange. So... The, the setup of it is, is that right before this happens, Mollick has decided to give up on his career. His name is something like Tom Mollick or John Mollick or Jake Mollick, and I forget, so I'm just going to call him Mollick. Uh, he's decided to give up because he has been dramatically unsuccessful. And he's finally hit the point where he's decided that he is not going to be successful as a singer-songwriter. And Lily James, Ellie, is his intrepid manager uh, who has been, you know, sort of sticking with him and secretly in love with him for all these years since they were kids. And, and this is important because it's a theme in the movie that she has this unrequited love for him, and he's supposedly is probably in love with her, but has never acted on it. Neither of them has ever acted on it in all this time. Uh, and it's not clear to me why. I mean, I think it's supposed to be, you know, like he's just sort of paralyzed in himself. But, you know, his songs aren't any good. I mean, I guess that's what it comes off as, is that his songs are not any good. And so he gives up. And when he wakes up in this world without the Beatles and he sings a Beatles song, people are like, whoa, that's an amazing song. And I loved the initial stages of this because people weren't immediately riveted to the songs. And I really thought they were going to go somewhere with that, you know, that it wasn't just that the Beatles were amazing songwriters, you know, and clearly Paul McCartney and John Lennon at, were genius songwriters, and also George Harrison and Ringo Starr. Uh, but clearly that pairing is one of the great genius pairings of all time. And, but, you know, as we have all heard people sing Beatles songs who are not the Beatles, they're not necessarily as resonant as when the Beatles perform them or, uh, you know, if some of them as individuals. So I really thought that they were going to go somewhere with that, that, you know, that he could sing these amazing songs, but that it wouldn't necessarily hit people the same way. Because I do think that that's hugely true. I do think that the performance, uh, who it comes from, the voice, um, that charismatic magic that the artist brings to it is critical. I mean, sometimes we've even heard somebody cover a song that's so much better. Uh, you know, like I think Leonard Cohen's songs are brilliant, and I know this might be an unpopular opinion, but I I love hearing other people sing Leonard's Cohen, Leonard Cohen songs because they do a better job, <laughs> I think. Uh, 
Yeah, we could argue that one. But there are certainly many cases where somebody covers a song and they really bring it to life in an amazing way. And so I thought that that's what was going to happen, was that he was going to realize that he could sing these genius songs, but that he somehow to bring, had to bring this out of himself. But that's not where they went with it. They went with that he did break through and becomes worldwide famous. And there is great stuff with Ed Sheeran being in there. I loved some of the stuff that they did. Uh, and Ed Sheeran ends up calling himself Salieri to Malik's Mozart, which begins to work on him. And I, this is the second place I thought they were going to go with then, was that, you know, he feels guilty for pretending that these are his own songs. You know, like when Ed Sheeran is clearly crushed when they do this songwriting competition and Ed Sheeran makes up a song in 20 minutes and Malik um, pretends to make up The Long and Winding Road and, and Ed Sheeran is like, that's the best song I've ever heard. And apparently Ed Sheeran is himself deep deeply influenced by the Beatles songs. So that was the next place I thought that they were going to go was that he was going to realize that it didn't matter that he wasn't satisfied because the, the songs had not come from himself, that he had not created them and that he would come to some realization with that. But no, instead it ends up being that, um, you know, he realizes that he should have been happy just being in love with Ellie, with Lily James, and living a quiet life, and that he didn't need to be a singer-songwriter at all. And that really bothered me, because I think um, the, the creative drive is much more important than that. And I thought the movie should have been more about the creative drive and what external success means for that. Because certainly there are plenty of people who... Um, you know, writers I know who have given up on writing because they did not achieve a level of success that they wanted. And I've talked about that before, you know, that we all have our own measures for success. But the people who have given up on it, um, you know, have abandoned it sometimes for good reasons. I, I, I shouldn't say good reasons. I don't want to judge reasons that are sound to themselves other had others have given up with a sense of despair and then there are other people who just keep creating and i think that finding ways to disconnect creativity from success is really whatever our measure for that is really critical um you know and movies often frame it that way you know that if you are not successful, there's no point in continuing to be creative and you switch off to something else or, you know, be happy being married to, you know, the incredibly lovely Lily James. You know, it comes back to that thing I think I've mentioned before where I read a quip once that, you know, that celebrities, that movie stars are so incredibly beautiful that it's difficult to imagine somebody not being in love with them. So, you know, like Lily James is hardly some mousy school teacher you know so the incredibly sensual charismatic and lovely lily james is his consolation prize somehow that he decides oh well that he'll just lead a quiet life being married to her and that it's really all about love but i would have preferred if he had um continued to write his own songs because that was what mattered to him right not just performing the beatles songs
So anyway, that went on a little bit long today, but I wanted to talk about that. And now I shall get back to my own creative striving. I hope you all uh, get some time today to work on something that is meaningful for you, whether it is connected to any kind of success or not. And I will talk to you all tomorrow. Take care. Bye-bye.